This is Financially Tuned with Rob Burnett from Outlook Financial Center. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Rob provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. Your money and your plans in perfect harmony. And now here is Rob Burnett to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Welcome to today's episode of Financially Tuned. I'm Rob Burnett from the Outlook Financial Center. And with me in the studio today is that man that's dug out of the snowbank. But he helps keep me on track, my friend and my co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. Good morning, Tony. How's the snow? Well, yeah, I happen to be up in Minnesota, uh, and uh, it we got about 12 inches here last night. So uh, I'm just uh, happy to be here. Uh, this past week, we, we've had a lot of snow. So just happy to be here on the radio with you, Rob. Well, I'm, we're glad to have you. Um, the... We've gotten our snow and share of cold right now, but we're going sure. through our, our heat wave. Nice. Uh, it, it was actually in the 50s yesterday. Oh, While yeah. While you guys are getting just hammered in snow. Well, <laughs> well, the temperature's gone back down today, so it's a little closer. They're threatening us with snowflakes today, but oh, yeah. oh well, that's, that's what we're going to do. So, yeah. So what's what do you have going on? What's going on there with Outlook Financial? Well, we're we've uh, activity has really uh, picked up for us. We've got a lot of cases coming in. I think a lot of it's being driven by the tax changes. People don't know what to do with it. So we're seeing a lot more uh, unsolicited interest. And as a business owner, you always love uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That uh, that events are driving people to your doorstep to chat with you. Uh, we are also, we've got a couple of seminars coming up. We're going to talk about uh, retirement income planning. We're going to talk about some empowering women issues. Uh, those are coming up in uh, Troy on the 30th of January, and we're going up the road next town north into Sydney, a couple of towns north into Sydney uh, on February 1st. So we're prepping for that, uh, all new material for that particular seminar. So it's a busy time, but a fun time. Yeah, well, that sounds good. So uh, today we're going to continue our discussion uh, about uh, the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, right? That's correct. You know, we're going to talk about you know, the winners and losers. This is part two. We just literally ran out of time last week. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about how it was on December 22nd. So this is pretty recent. Uh, the president signed into law H.R. 1, officially titled An Act to Provide for Reconciliation Pursuant to Titles 2 and 5 of the Concurrent Resolution of the Budget for Fiscal Year 2018. Wow. That still blows my mind. Yeah, it really great. does. The Tax Cuts and Job Act. That's what it's known as. That's what we're going to call it. I'm not going to go read that again. That's just nuts. Uh, so uh, we want to see this is our, our government in action, or more correctly, back in action after their three-day shutdown. Wow. Yeah, the three. <laughs> what a mess that was um, with, I think, plenty of blame to go around, right? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, quite frankly, it looked more like a long weekend with drama. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, here's the here's the issue though. Had that shutdown been prolonged, the likely effect on the tax filing process would have been delayed refunds from the IRS. That would have made all the taxpayers happy. Oh. But do you think they'd give us any relief on the due dates? Not a chance. No, 
no, not a that's chance. The problem right there, yeah. But but you think about it, you know, many of the IRS employees are, uh, for the purposes of a government shutdown, are considered non-essential employees. Mm. Now, if you don't file your taxes on time or you don't pay your taxes, I'm sure the fact that some of those IRS employees are quote unquote non-essential is not going to help you with fines and penalties. No. No, no, that's probably, uh, they're, they're still going to be kicking out the fines and penalties. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking about taxes. So when we're, we're talking about filing taxes for 2017. That's going to that's gonna continue on and march on pretty much like it has in the past, right? I mean, it's really the changes for 2018 that we're going to focus on today, correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, and, and last week you talked about uh, some good news and not so good news regarding this new tax law. Uh, I'm I'm not quite a hundred percent certain how it all fits together for my family personally because it seems like there are a lot of different aspects to it, a lot of moving parts. There really are. There's a competing features, competing benefits, and that's why we really felt the need to to do a a second week or a part two of this tax cuts, or as I'd like to call it, you have to remember the Home Alone movie. Uh, have you had enough? Or are you thirsty for more? <laughs> I remember that line. Well, uh, I have had enough, and I'm not really thirsty for more, though. Uh, <laughs> but what I learned last week, uh, apparently it wasn't quite enough. So, um, uh, yeah, speaking of that, Lori and Logan kind of bailed and, and left you. Uh, didn't want to get in on the tax uh, island that we're on. So uh, I guess I have to take this beating alone, you and I, right? That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm the tax guy in the office, and so those kind of questions come up, and it's okay. It kind of comes with the turf. I've done it for a long time, and I, it really doesn't bother me. They know a lot more in taxes than they'll let on, and so oh, sure. uh, I'm, I'm going to drag them into this eventually. They know it's coming. <laughs> They're just trying to avoid it. Well, and they know how into it you get. I mean, you have a lot of knowledge in this area as well and have done this for so long uh, that really when you get on a roll, you're very informative, and I always learn a lot from you, Rob. Um, so uh, talk to us. Let's jump into this. Absolutely. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to continue to focus on how important uh, it is to be aware of the future of U.S. taxation, the new tax changes, because we don't want your wallet to take a big hit. So we're going to do a real short recap of the winners and losers from last week's show. Now, this was advertised as the largest tax cut ever. It promises a one5 billion dollar tax cut over a 10-year period. So how'd that impact Main Street? A typical family of four earning the annual median family income of $73,000 is going to receive a tax cut of a little over $2,000. You look around, corporations are giving bonuses to their employees. They're giving them raises. They're improving benefits. We're starting to see that filter into the economy. Uh, Companies are buying capital equipment. That means other companies are going to get orders. They have to hire people to go build these new things that they're ordering. And the lower tax rates enticing companies to move jobs back to the U.S. Just look at what Apple did. They're bringing $252 billion, that's billion with a B, yeah. back to the U.S. They're going to cut a check to the federal government for $38 billion. Wow. That's just staggering. But that's the impact that this change had. And they're going to hire 20,000 people in the U.S. So those are some of the positive things that are falling out of it. Uh, We still have seven tax brackets. That didn't get any better. 
the tax brackets are a little different. Five of them are a little different and they are lower. Uh, capital gains for investors, it used to be pretty simple. They complicated and muddied that particular set of waters. So we'll see how that uh, kind of works out for the clients. Right. Uh, and I think it's interesting. You talked about tax simplification, though, uh, last week. And I keep hearing, you know, a lot of politicians say they want it down to a postcard, like that's how simple taxes could be. But uh, are they simplifying it with this new law? Well, some things are simplified. And the, the problem I've got with the politicians, they want this down to a postcard. Well, postcards are typically three by five, right? The small ones. Well, they're talking, it, their postcards could be three feet by five feet. Not inch by inch. <laughs> because I, I just don't see them do that. They just use the tax code for too many things, too many incentives to have people behave the way they want them to, to behave. But let's, a couple of simplification things, they really did do that. The standard deduction nearly doubled for everyone, for a married couple filing jointly, up to from $12,300 to $24,000. Uh, personal exemptions, they're gone. That's yeah. simple. Not sure we're going to like that yet, but what they did is they wow. put in place of it, they changed the child tax credit. Mm. They increased it for kids 16 and younger, and they added another credit for the ones that are older than 16 that meet dependency exemptions that was not there before. So how does that balance and trade for your family? Yeah, who knows until you run your own thing. Home mortgage interest. Uh, they lowered the amount that you can write off. So if you're in a high tax, high property tax state, that may hurt you. Uh, state and local income taxes, they put a cap on that. Once again, if you're in a high tax, high income state, that could be a problem. But the House Ways and Means Committee did estimate that the increase in the standard deduction alone, just that one change, is going to reduce the number of taxpayers who itemize from approximately one third to fewer than 10%. And so that's why they're start talking about maybe you can get to this postcard level because now you don't have to worry about all the itemization and all the paperwork and all the in, uh, work that goes into that. Right. And so uh, obviously there is, <laughs> uh, we can get deep in the weeds on this, right? I mean, uh, it, you're talking about simplification, yet um, it's still a little confusing to me, but uh, it sounds like there were some positive changes made, um, but then they're taking away some personal exemptions um, which can make it tough, right? Yeah, it's just a matter. You have to go back and look at how those things balance for your particular situation. I mean, if you're a family of four, you lost 16000 in exemptions, but you picked up an extra $1,000 per child, and you picked up an extra 12000 in standard deductions. So you have to look at how that balances for your family. There is no you know, silver bullet in this. We're going to talk about this toward the end of the show, some kind of top level, obvious winners and losers, but on a, on a family basis, you got to look at your situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I think this is interesting and we covered a lot of this ground last week, but you're telling me there's more. Oh, there's a lot more. Remember <laughs> that handout I told you about last week, it's 19 pages and it's uh -huh. a summary and it's not in large print. So there's a lot of information there, but what I want to do in the show this week is focus on what we can do to adapt to the new tax law changes, incorporate those adjustments in our plans for saving for kids, college education, uh, our desire to ultimately retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. What can we do? 
Right. Uh, there you go. So uh, is this the part where you're going to give us uh, hope that everything's going to work out okay? I hope. Uh, well, 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 that's the plan. Yeah. So let's look at this. So everyone should develop, implement, and monitor a diversified tax plan with the help of tax and financial professionals. Because once again, if you're going to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired, you got to do some tax planning. So the point uh, spending our whole lives accumulating wealth is not how we see the big number, but rather on paper, it should be an exercise in how much we put in our pocket after removing it from the paper. So to truly understand tax diversification, we have to understand what kind of monies exist, how each of these are going to be treated during accumulation, but more importantly, during distribution. And so let's look at how we kind of categorize money into big groups to kind of walk it through. So there's really four categories. There's, there's free money. You always tell me you love your free money. I love free money. You're, you're two of my favorite words, especially when you put them together. There you go. Uh, we have tax advantaged money. We've got tax deferred money and we've got taxable money. Taxable money could be ordinary income, capital gains, qualified dividends, uh, different things like that. Well, uh, you said free money though, and then I lost you after that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then just f followed by some more words. But uh, I want us to go into free money in more detail, but uh, our time is just about up for this first segment. Is there anything you want to share with us before we take a quick break here? I do, Tony. Uh, dealing with your taxes can be difficult, but it really doesn't have to be. Uh, visit our website, OutlookFC, that's Outlook F is in financial, C is in center, dot com. Go to our Facebook page, Outlook Financial Center, or give us a call at 937-552-9990. Uh, we're once again offering our Tax Cuts and Jobs Act summary report. And as part of that, we would encourage you to schedule the one-hour, no-cost, no-obligation consultation. We'll go over the report, uh, show you how it applies to you, answer your questions, because it's just really important to understand how that's going to impact your lifestyle both today and going forward. We're also going to be covering some of these topics in our upcoming seminars in Troy on January 30th and in Sydney on February 1st. Once again, call 937-552-9990 for more information and to register. When you lose a spouse, you are faced with a whirlwind of emotions and decisions. Finances are the last thing on your mind. At Outlook Financial Center, we focus on making life transitions easier. That is why we've put together a helpful guide that focuses on what women should do before they lose their spouse. Give us a call at 937-552-9990 or outlookfc.com to get your copy. Life transitions are never easy, but we can help. Welcome back to Financially Tuned with me, Rob Burnett from the Outlook Financial Center and my awesome co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. So our topic today is the big tax change 2018 winners and losers part two. In our first segment, we did a short recap of the highlights and lowlights of last week's show and the tax process. And we began discussing the fundamentals of tax planning. Yeah, it's been a great show. And you know what, Rob, in the media, there's been a lot going on about how good or bad this new law is. And uh, it gets really political. Uh, now we have other political issues taking the lead. You know, we had the government shut down for a while, and then it, it, there's always something. So uh, I'm glad you're here to help uh, us on what we can do as just ordinary taxpayers to prepare for the changes. Um, 
that aren't just speculation and talking points anymore because there was a lot of that. Now they're real. They're in their law. So we are going to need to know how, as regular folks like myself, we're going to be affected by this and what we can do. So um, again, at the la- end of the last segment, you were singing my favorite song, The Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. I meant, no, I meant uh, free money, free money. Uh, tell me more. What is free money? Well, Tony, free money is the best kind of money, regardless of tax treatment, because in the end, you have more money than you would otherwise. Once again, very simple. You're not paying taxes on it. Now, a lot of employers will provide contributions toward employee retirement accounts that offers additional employment benefits, inspires employees to save for more their retirement. It gives them a reason if, with this matching contribution concept. If you put in so much, we're going to put in some more. So when they do that, they'll go up to a certain point in the employee's salary as long as you do your part. You put money into it as well. So in the larger employer plans like the 401ks and the 403bs, uh, anywhere from 3 to 5% is common, but it has a vesting schedule. So that employer contribution isn't yours on day one. It takes some time at the employer before it all becomes yours. Now, smaller employer plans like simple IRAs, the match is only 1% to 3%, but there's no vesting schedule. Once that has been contributed to your account, it is, in fact, yours. There is no schedule, no way to lose it. So if we look at an employee who's making fifty grand a year and they contribute 3% and their employer matches it, another 1500 okay, that's three grand a year, but half of it's free. Who wouldn't want the free money, right, Tony? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like free money. It's like, uh, that, you know, the employer match, uh, you, you never, you always want to take advantage of that. If you have an employer sponsored 401k, right? Absolutely. I I always counsel my clients contribute enough to get the maximum amount of match. Then we stop at that point and, and look at what are some of the other alternatives? Do we go outside the plan to our own individual IRA or Roth IRA? Do we continue to use the plan? Every client's a little different. So it becomes a conversation and a a decision point so that when you proceed from that, it makes sense for you. Sure. And free is good. Uh, We all like that. Now, next on your list is taxed advantage money or tax advantage money. Uh, What exactly does that mean? Well, it is the next best thing to free money. But the earned tax advantage money, uh, there's a couple of things you have to do with it. First of all, it comes in three forms. Four if you if prisons in your future, but we won't, we're not going to talk about <laughs> that one. Yeah, we'll ignore that. Oh, hopefully, that doesn't apply to any of us. Oh, exactly. But the most commonly uh, known form. I mean, of tax, Logan's not here, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> most commonly known form of tax advantage money is municipal bonds. A lot of people will recognize what those are. Uh, they earn and pay interest that could be federally tax advantage, state tax advantage if the bond is in the state or jurisdiction you live in, uh, or both. So when we look at that, the whole idea behind that is this is going to generate tax-free income. That's the whole purpose of a municipal bond. However, here's some of the downsides of owning that municipal bond. Now, generally, if the bond is not in your state, the state's going to tax it anyway. It may be federally tax-free, but not necessarily state tax-free. So that's the first thing to look at. Secondly, municipal bond interest gets added back into the equation to determine how much of your Social Security benefit is taxable. So if you're drawing Social Security and you have municipal bond income, it could cause more of your Social Security income to be taxed. 
kind of a backdoor free tax. Well, not so free. Thank you very much. And lastly, the municipal bond interest could be excluded from a regular tax system, but if you make enough money, you may get caught into the alternative minimum tax system. Don't you just love that? We actually have three tax systems as an aside. We have the regular one, we have the alternative one, and we have Obamacare. And they all have different rules and different regulations and different amounts. It just, it just makes you nuts. But the whole idea behind the tax advantage money is typically the best time to use that is when you're trying to generate income without pushing yourself into a higher tax bracket. And, and I've seen other advisors do this, and it makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to use a municipal bond inside of a retirement account because what you do is you make a tax advantage vehicle. Now it's taxable. That's just going the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going the wrong direction. And um, obviously turning something tax advantaged into taxable, uh, that's going the wrong direction for sure. Um, the next thing on your list was tax deferred money. And I know a lot of retirement accounts are this way. Help us understand what the difference is between tax advantaged and tax deferred. Well, well, tax deferred is the money that would traditionally go into an IRA, an employer-sponsored retirement plan, or a non-qualified annuity. Essentially, we put the money into an investment vehicle that will accumulate in value over time, but we don't pay taxes on those earnings while the account grows until we distribute them. Once the money comes out, then, then those taxes are be, going to be paid. And in the case of a non-qualified annuity, you only pay taxes on the gains in the account because the money you put in, you'd already paid taxes on it. The downside to those things is when the money comes out, you pay the gains out first because the IRS wants their money first. So it does allow you to have your, your uh, amounts grow tax deferred over time. And the other beauty of that is with those kinds of vehicles, there's no required minimum distribution. So I've got clients who have money in those kind of vehicles and they're there specifically for legacy and inheritance. So it's another terrific vehicle to avoid taxes today, allow it to grow tax deferred, and then the heirs get to go deal with the taxes, but then at their tax rates, which are typically lower. Yeah. And so I think that really is interesting. And the last type that you mentioned is taxable, and that sounds like the least fun of all of them. <laughs> well, taxable money is everything else, but here's the idea where it can be fun. So one of the things we, we talked about mentioning earlier was tax diversity. We would like to have our clients have multiple streams of income with different tax treatments. But, and here's the thing that's cool about it. So when you have a taxable account and you withdraw from it, you only pay taxes on the gain. Now, flashback to last week, we talked about this thing called tax loss harvesting. We do the same thing with a tax, taxable account. If I'm going to sell something in the account to raise money to pay to a, a client, it makes sense I'm going to sell my losers first. When I do that, I create on paper a tax loss, which can offset income. So that's the first thing I look at. If I then have to sell others and I create a taxable gain, if I keep it within certain parameters, some or all of that gain could be tax-free. So it's a, a, a trade-off that you look at and you need to have your financial advisor who understands tax loss harvesting take a look at this to make sure that when you do these kinds of things, you do it in a very tax-efficient manner. And so that also allows your tax-deferred accounts, your IRAs and things of that nature, to continue to grow 
tax deferred. We haven't taken any money out of them. It allows your Roth IRAs, which are tax free to continue to grow because you don't need them yet. So it's a great way to manage your tax situation because at the end of the day, you want to maximize your income and minimize the tax burden. The we reason sure. we instruct our clients to do that is I can't predict what the tax code is going to look like when they need money. Sure. And you've covered a lot of ground in a very short time on today's show. But uh, before we have to go today, are there any general categories of winners and losers that you can identify for us? Yeah, there are a few that clearly stand out. And from the individual side, the winners are the people who currently pay the alternative minimum uh, income tax, large estates, non-service pass-through businesses. These are the, the, the entrepreneurs out there that are sole proprietors, have partnerships, have S uh, corporations, but non-service. So these are the small businesses that make stuff. It's kind of the easy way to look at that. Uh, the losers on that side, if you're making a lot of money now, you're gonna be paying probably more taxes. So you're not gonna get a big benefit there. If you've got a large mortgage, if you're in a high tax state, you're probably not gonna be a winner. And if you have a personal service pass through, like me, we're probably not going to see a whole lot of tax benefit. Now there is talk about trying to have some technical fixes to help that kind of stuff. And that's fine. I, I hope that succeeds because that'll benefit me personally on the business side, uh, people in retail capital intensive businesses, manufacturing being a specific example, the example we said of Apple, U S based multinationals bringing cash back. These guys are huge winners in this tax code, but the losers, interesting enough, Technology and pharmaceutical companies who get a lot of their revenue from patents and intellectual property, the way they're being taxed, that's very different. Uh, builders, mortgage in the real estate market, because of that increased standard deduction, that makes the mortgage deduction interest uh, on an itemized deduction less valuable. We'll see how that plays out for them. And insurance companies are going to take a hit, too, because of how they're structured. It's a very interesting time. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to see how all this plays out, but a lot of people will probably still have questions. So before we go today, Rob, why don't you let our listeners know one more time how to get a hold of you? I certainly will, Tony. And I hope our listeners do have a better understanding after the last couple of weeks. So go to our website at outlookfc.com. Uh, take a look at our Facebook page at Outlook Financial Center, or give us a call at 937 552 9990. And if you're in the Troy or Sydney or greater Miami County, Shelby County area where we uh, uh, live and work, uh, come to one of our seminars, January 30th in Troy and February 1st up in Sydney. Give a call, 937-552-9990. Go to the website, sign up, register, calls for more information. We'd love to show you what uh, we do for a living and help you understand how that tax picture, we're going to talk about that in the seminars, fits into your overall retirement plan. Yeah, and I think that's great. A great offer, but that concludes our time for today's episode of Financially Tuned with our amazing host, Rob Burnett of Outlook Financial Center. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Rob Burnett at Outlook Financial Center. Call 937 552 9990 or visit their website at outlookfinancialcenter.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. 
Rob Burnett and Outlook Financial Center are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.